John Deere announces the new lineup of high horsepower four track tractors including an 803 horsepower option. There's three new models introduced, the 9RX 710, the 9RX 770, and the 9RX 830. It's autonomy ready. The new John Deere 18 engine eliminates the need for diesel exhaust fluid and offers an optional 168 gallon per minute triple pump hydraulic system. Command View 4 Plus Cab receives updates for increased operator comfort and visibility. Advanced technology package includes G5 Plus command center, display, and integrated Starfire 7500 receiver. The high horsepower 9RX models available for order in mid-March. For more information, go to JohnDeere.com or contact your local John Deere dealer. To be completely honest with you, I love learning about the sugar industry and the different crops, but I've loved meeting all the other influencers and learning from them because I'm just starting out as an advocate compared to each and every one of you. I'm quite small, and then being a junior in high school, to learn from each of you on how to broaden my following, how to get a bigger outreach to consumer has truly benefited me, and I will appreciate it. It's time to put the work boots aside and embrace the lighter side of farming. Join Corey. Show boys want some popsicles? <laughs> David. What I really gotta know is the juice worth the squeeze. And Tanner. All right, it's about time to wrap this baby up. As they provide insights to help your farm make more money. It's not all business though, as they are swapping plows for punchlines, bringing you hilarious farm stories and a whole lot of laughter during their Farm for Fun episodes. Get ready for some fantastic education and entertainment on every episode where farming meets fun. Corey, we yeah. are back. We are on the sugar train. We've never been here, so we're no, not back. We're not back. We're just here. We're back. I mean, this is the on first the ever podcast on a train. Okay. I'm just gonna say that. Ever. It's probably not, but I know it is an ag. It is. It's got to be the first ag train podcast for ever. sure. So we are here. This is going to be a conglomerate show of a. We're on a trip to U.S. Sugar yes. in Clewiston, Florida, and we are going to try to cram as many of these influencers that came on this trip on the show so let's get right to it we got starting off with two great guests that have been past guests of the show i'm just going to go ahead and let them introduce themselves we'll start with noah well, you don't want to go ladies first well if you want to i was just going closest to me okay all right <laughs> Everybody I, feel like, knows I feel like we need to let the ladies all right, all right. go on, first everybody knows ladies go last all right michelle <laughs> the farm babe the farm babe what's up it's michelle the farm babe on social media uh yeah i so my website's thefarmbabe.com and you can find me on social media farm babe on facebook is where most of my followers are and i'm at the farm babe on everything else instagram TikTok, YouTube's. We're on the sugar train right now. You yeah. got invited here as a uh, influencer in agriculture. Yeah. What, uh, what What were your thoughts about sugar before versus now what we've seen? You know, this is actually my, I want to say maybe like my sixth or eighth tour or something, doing something like this with sugar cane. Of so, this? Um, of like actual this. U.S. Yeah. sugar? Yeah. Well, U.S. sugar or the Sugar Association, sugar beets, sugar cane. Okay. So you're um, like Louisiana, a seasoned veteran. Florida. Yeah. Like I've done, I've done but this a few close. times. But you live close. You live a different kind of sugar mama. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> there it is. I live just a few hours away from here, yes. So it's easy for me to just jet down and take a look and share it. But the good news is that every time I go on one of these tours, I learn something new. So, really? And, you know, it's like you learn by rep repetition, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, yeah, wh we burn sugarcane. Why do we do that? My favorite thing is really myth busting, you know? And so just to be here with a bunch of experts and learn a little bit more each time I come about, like, you know, hearing from the fishermen today. Yep. Being like, you know, the people think Lake Okeechobee, it's like agriculture always has a target on our back. We're 1% of the population. People right. don't understand us. And just to learn the real facts about, what, you know, what's going on and why. With That's something I didn't know. The environment. 
Corey, you know, in the Midwest, we don't hear like that sugar is creating pollution and sugar is doing all this. But boy, it was definitely a message today that they are not. And they're actually the opposite of that. They're trying to go farther to depollute everything. Yeah, they're actually going above and beyond. Yeah. You said they had to get 25% of and the like that, and they do like phosphates 60%? out. And they did, they did 67% last. Yeah. And you asked yeah. why. Well, it's because we can. Well, why we not can. do a good job? If you're going to do it, do it right. Correct. Yeah, yeah I well, think that's what he said was they're trying to set it up for the next. They're looking at it 50 years from now making sure that the soils that they have and the water that they have is good enough for their grandkids. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Okay, so we had a quick hit there. Let's go to Noah. What do you do? And yeah. what was your perception of sugar coming in? So I'm Noah with the Shiloh Farm. Pleasure to be back on here. I do uh, garden homesteading, agriculture, advocacy, a little bit of everything. Uh, and so I got invited on this trip, I guess, just to learn about the industry. And as a Nebraska farmer, I was kind of blown away by not only the, the different practices and the machinery that's being used, um, but even the, the regulations that they have around here was really fascinating to me. Like you mentioned, the, because of the Everglades being so close, the amount of um, regulations that they have to abide by was kind of fascinating to me. But how above and beyond they went really stood out to me, and, and then also the impact that they've had on their local community, because that's something that's near and dear to me as a Nebraskan, seeing local communities kind of dying off and the investment that U.S. Sugar has had in the local community. It really kind of stands out and has been fascinating. What I've really kind of took away coming into this, I thought, man, this is going to be a world, like such a different world. But I realize it's it's a lot of the same. Like they're Mm -hmm. very dependent on weather and rainfall. It's a totally different thing where we're praying for rain and they're they're kind of praying that it dries out a little bit. But seeing how farming in Nebraska is kind of the same, even though it's different practices and different machinery, like the, the principle behind growing things, investing in your community and, and the product that you're producing uh, translates no matter yeah. what no matter what you're farming. I yes. thought that was cool. And the, the same battles that they fight with like advocacy and, and, and education yes. of the yes. of the mm-hmm. consumer and the community too. Like it, it's awesome. They do uh, my eyes have been opened in this trip. I'm, yeah. I'm glad we came. Yep. So you also said that you are a habitual user of sugar. I am a, a very big user of sugar, and that was one of the things I didn't even like pay attention to what brown sugar is and molasses. Yeah. I know that molasses is used for cows. That was something I learned was how much mm-hmm. the molasses that they process uh, out goes into the, the cattle market. Yep. And, um, even we just did a, a rum tasting, which was kind of fun. Oh, I never, I, I enjoy rum every once in a while. Didn't ever connect that with sugar cane. I just yeah. didn't go down that road. I, yeah. I enjoy using it, but don't, don't know anything about it. So yeah. that was fun. Very cool. So out of all the things you do on social media that's out there, is there uh, is there a message for your listeners and our listeners uh, about sugar? Well, yeah, and just kind of to Noah's point, too, just about how there's so many parallels with farming in general. It's just that you always have to go to the source, right, for mm-hmm. your information. I think um, people just need to get their information direct from farmers and experts and understand, you know, like, I think one of the biggest takeaways I've learned just about advocacy for sugar is when people think that sugar is bad or that sugar or like the sugar industry big sugar you know is like people like to blame it we have to follow the money trail behind the environmental activist groups behind it like the mm-hmm. anti-gmo activists for example they're very well funded PETA's not broke right and we have that pressure here with florida a lot of the environmentalist groups are funded by the billionaire developers and they want our land and if mm-hmm. you go around the edge of florida right around where we are now the everglades agricultural area it's just insane urban development and then it just stops and that's U.S. sugar. And it, or there's, what, 250,000 acres here? Hmm. And 
thankfully so, because if that was a bunch of small little family farms, they'd all be selling out because they make offers you can't refuse. And so when you, when you understand why they're doing this and putting the pressure, they want to regulate us out of business. And the regulations are so, so strict and we're doing so much to help the water. Um, farmers really are the true environmentalists and I think it's important for people to understand that, get their information direct from the source, from the experts, from um, everybody that's here doing it. Yeah. And, uh, and really understanding that the, the, the negative publicity is there to put us out of business and take, take our land and develop <laughs> yeah. it. So that, was, that, that was definitely something that was new to me, eye-opening. I don't hear the, the politics in Florida necessarily, but they mentioned that for a long time they were attacking the water, you know, that you guys are ruining the water to try and that way they could buy the land and develop it. And they've done such a good job of changing the the policies and their land practices to improve the water that now it's like oh well you guys did a good job with water but now you're polluting the air yeah. by burning this and yeah. the the idea that the carbon that you're putting off from burning and and learning today like no we actually have living plants year round everywhere that that's putting carbon back into the soil yes. like they, yeah. they just keep CO2. changing the the goalposts a little bit like yeah. oh you did that wrong oh well now you're not doing this wrong yeah. it's like well yeah how about the cars that you have on the road when you develop a place and yeah, and all try, that. try try putting the concrete jungle back into egg and let me know how that goes when yeah. we when we don't, when we don't yeah. have enough to eat, you know. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think you know, God bless farmers. Everything that uh, <laughs> that we all put up with, <laughs> yeah. I got to put up with you guys too. <laughs> <laughs> a pretty fun trip with a lot of influencers. Yeah, it this is. has been a really great trip. It is. Well, let's go grab some more influencers. All right, influencers. We're gonna switch it out. Word. We'll be right. Content back. creators. Yeah, that's what I'm going to go with. <laughs> Let's go grab some more content creator. You don't influence Either anybody. one. No, we just interview <laughs> Either one is fine. Yep. yep. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Hey, farmers. Transform your planting season and get the advantage when you use a seed tender from Meridian Manufacturing. The combination of efficiency, ease of use, and dependability. Meridian's bulk seed tenders and box seed tenders redefine how you sow the seeds of success. Meridian Seed Tenders are your planting partner, engineered for ease of use and designed for dependability. Visit your local Meridian dealer or dive into the details at meridianmfg.com. The Meridian Advantage, helping you improve your planting game today. All aboard the All Sugar aboard. Express. We're already aboard. We've already started, Tanner. Oh. You're, you just didn't. We're I here just when showed we up. Hey, I got my uh, champagne in a glass. Yes, not my drink of choice usually, nope. but I'm not going to turn down a, a cold... Bubbly. Our guest is not. No, not of age. She's been very good. She's actually been asked several times and she turned it down. So kudos. It probably helps that your mom is here. <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah, it's true. So, uh, Paige, welcome on the podcast. This Thank is you our for pleasure. Me. We had a little bit of a conversation ahead of this to learn about you, but our listeners didn't get to hear that. So let's start off. Why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Who is part-time Paige? (laughs) Well, my name is Paige Cruz, um, also known as part-time Paige or front page ag. Um, I started agriculture advocacy because of my passion in agriculture. I'm a seventh generation cattle rancher who lives in South Florida and my family owns and operates a cow-calf operation, primarily beef master cattle. Um, because of my summers working on the ranch, I grew a passion for the agriculture industry as a whole, specifically cattle ranching. Um, I'm also very involved in our FFA chapter, and I started online advocacy called Front Page Ag because of a nickname my grandfather gave me. And I spent so much time in my FFA journey that I became part-time page as well. <laughs> um, I spend my time on social media, teaching in schools, public speaking, and I run my own website advocating for the best industry of all. How, how do you have time to go to school? Yes. Um, another thing with part-time page, of course, 
I miss a lot of school because of my advocacy and FFA journey, but yeah. I'm also one of those kids that applies myself in the classroom. I take college classes, ACE classes, so those are high school classes, but you get college credit for them, just like dual enrollment. Um, so I spend a lot of time either at the barn, advocating, or working on schoolwork. So your normal teenage life is definitely dominated by agriculture and schoolwork, but I seem to have fun throughout it all. That's good. So she's got a farm. She's from a farm right here in South Florida. What kind of cattle? You don't have beef master cattle. Beef master. Is that because it's so far south, like in the heat? Like they they take heat. So beef master cattle are hybrid vigor cattle, which means they are part English breed, part American breed. So they have a Brahmin influence in them, and Brahmin cattle are known for their heat tolerance and pest resistance. So because of that influence in the beef master cattle, they can tolerate Florida's harsh climate, hurricane season, all the pesky mosquitoes around here. But they also have the beef quality to produce really good steaks on your dinner plate. Yeah, the mosquitoes are like birds around here. (laughs) Yes, sir, they are. Yeah, we thought Minnesota was bad. Man. No. So do they have a hump like a Brahma? Um, sometimes minorly, but most of the time not. They're primarily a red color, a deep red color. They have the leather or the jewel lap, which is found on their neck, uh-huh. and larger ears, which are the Brahmin qualities. Got it. Very cool. So, but you didn't say sugar cane. No. My family has... how far away is your farm from here, where we're at now? About an hour and a half. So we're the other side of the lake. Cluiston okay. is on... On the west side of the lake, and we're on the east side of the lake. Okay. But no sugar cane. So it's no, all, all cattle. Yes. Nice. My family started, my great-great-grandparents came down here on a wagon from Nebraska and started our small cattle operation. Smart. I would have left Nebraska, too. That, I mean, <laughs> that's the best room from Nebraska I've ever heard. We started a small cattle operation. They entered the land that is now used for our cattle operation by a small boat because water was sleep flowing across it. We dug dikes in different areas to now own and operate a larger cattle ranch. We grew citrus and did cattle, but we have never advanced into sugarcane. Advanced into sugarcane. Okay. So what is your perception? I imagine it's a little different than some of ours. Because we got people from California. One lady came in. She flew in from Alaska. She's not from Alaska. But right. all over the country. What's your What was your perception of sugar coming into this? I knew sugarcane was a huge economic contributor to Florida. Um, I knew the scale at which it contributed to our economy and that Clewiston was the sweet town. But until I got here, I didn't realize that no matter where you went, all you saw was sugarcane or sweet corn or crops and vegetables. It truly is the heart of agriculture here. Every person who lives here is influenced by agriculture or contributes to it in some way or another. Yeah, before I showed up, I thought we were going to see a lot of swamps. Yeah. Everglades. I thought I was going to see gators and that kind of stuff. But you're right. You look left. You look right off this train, which uh, I think you mentioned. We are riding on a train while yeah. we record this. Yep. <laughs> this is uh, intriguing. Uh, the video is going to be fantastic because of that. But anyway, you look left, look right, and it's black dirt. Yes. It, it looks like it's all fields. engineered, perfectly level, you know, series of ditches and all yeah. that. Very well planned out. Very efficient. The soils here are great for farming. Yeah, they said it was like 95% organic matter. Yeah. Yes. Which is, they yeah, call it Compared to Iowa. They call it muck. Yes. The muck is known yeah. for growing some of the most flourishable crops. The best ground in Iowa, what they, which most people call like the, the mecca for growing corn, is like 3 to 5% organic matter. Yeah. That's wow. a huge yeah. difference. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so we're midway through the afternoon. We're not done with the day, but you've got exposed to a lot of different things. What, what's most memorable? What's sticking out about today? 
to be completely honest with you, I love learning about the sugar industry and the different crops, but I've loved meeting all the other influencers and learning from them because I'm just starting out as an advocate compared to each and every one of you. I'm quite small and then being a junior in high school to learn from each of you on how to broaden my following, how to get a bigger outreach to consumer has truly benefited me and I will appreciate it. Did you speak this clearly when you were a junior in high school? No, uh, but I got better as a senior and I was talking to her about FFA before this and I was like, it, it really helped my public speaking and, yeah. and things of that nature. All, so much to the point of like in college, like no problem doing speaking classes or anything like that. So this will be fun to maybe circle back with you a year or two from now. Because yes, I can course. see some really bright things in your future, the way you're, you're continuing to focus on what your goals are. You know, you mentioned to me that this is what you want to do. You want to really build that brand and, and create a message platform for agriculture, especially South Florida, being able to share your family's story. But if our listeners want to follow you and also, you know, take the journey with you, how do they find you? Yes, so I am active on Facebook and Instagram as Front Page Ag. Is it Page P-A-G-E? P-A-I-G-E, just like my name. Um, I also have a website, Front Page, P-A-I-G-E dot com. Nice. No TikTok yet? No TikTok yet. I'm looking into doing that next year. I'm not as tech savvy as most teenagers are. But I also want to start a podcast next year. So lots of advancements coming in the future. But being in high school, I have to take things slower. And because of it being an FFA project, they have to see advancements over time. Well, reach out to us If you ever need anytime. any help on the podcast front or on anything, don't hesitate to reach out. Tell well, her one you. thing that's going to help her on podcasts. One thing, be inconsistent. If you're going to do it, be consistent. Because as soon as people understand that they can count on you being there, if it's every other week or it's every Monday or for us it's twice a week, as soon as your audience knows they can count on you, it's the same thing with a TV show. If you're going to do an eight-show series of your game show, do eight shows. Don't do two and take four weeks off and come back because your audience has a routine that they're going to establish, and when you fall into their routine, you develop more loyal listeners. So if you're going to do a podcast and you think, I can't do it every single week, you should set up a seasonal podcast where you're going to do eight shows about something and take a break, and then come back and do eight shows about something else. But whatever you do, be consistent so they have clear expectations. This is not consistent, by the way. We're on a train. There's <laughs> nothing consistent about this. So. But it will come out on a Thursday, which is consistently the type of right. show we put out. Yep. Well, what would your you. advice be? I was out. No, I knew that was going to be your advice. I was going to say <laughs> consistency. <laughs> but in everything, quality, timing, length, topics. I mean, yep. like, you can't. Once you get in your lane, you can step out a little bit. But if you step out too far, it won't be good. Yeah. Yes. So. Can I ask y'all a question? Yeah. Have it. What would you tell the younger generation of agriculturists or influencers? What would you tell them is the most essential thing about agriculture and why should we advocate for it? As a junior in high school, I'm always looking to take the youth avenue because three out of five students in our classrooms don't know where their food comes from. 48% of all Americans don't know where their food comes from. So what are you going to tell youth to better that statistic in the future? Well, I'll go first. I would just blanket statement say, without agriculture, we don't exist. There's no way. I mean, you can't hunt and gather enough food to feed this many many people, right? And so without food, we don't exist. And then you can go off into all the other whys, but that's the blanket statement for me. Yeah, my, my advice is, one, I'm the type of person that hates the word influencer and hates the word advocate. Okay. <laughs> just, just because I don't feel I do any of that. I feel like I'm more of an educator. 
I I'm, like that. I'm not I'm not going to influence anybody, but I might be able to introduce them to a, a presenter or a speaker or someone that we interview that has an idea that allows them to do more research, but because we educated them, their decision was influenced based upon their own homework. I don't feel comfortable telling people, yes, you need to go buy this type of pickup truck because it is manufactured in the most sustainable way. No, I want to tell you that based upon our experience or what a guest said, we're going to give you the education. You can go out and get your own information and make your own decision. But my advice is you have to be entertaining because you will not keep anybody's attention outside of agriculture if you are not entertaining. And that was the biggest growth moment in our podcast when Corey came to us and said, you guys are boring. (laughs) You need to do something to make it more entertaining. Yep. Yeah, try to be more real. We try to almost, you know, not be the cliche ag person. We try to almost be normal. Like, you know, are we listening to a sports show or an ag show, right? Like, just be every day. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's our consumer. Yes. Right? We're we're the 1%. We are. Yeah. Yeah. So I love this. I would Thank also you. say if Chevy does want to give us a truck, I will. I will tell people <laughs> that if you know if they give us a truck, that's the best truck, right? I do drive a pretty cool truck. I okay, can't say that. That's <laughs> fair. That's fair. This was a pleasure, Paige. Yes. Thank you for and, having me. Uh, I I look forward to having more conversations off the mic. I look forward to catching up with you down the road. Um, I know our listeners are going to want to follow you because of how well spoken and how uh, bright her future is going to be. Yep. Yep. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. All right. Let's go grab the next person. Or maybe a pair. I don't know. (laughs) We'll see it. It's random. Hey, Farm Profit listeners. Are you looking to boost your farm's profitability next year? Of course you are. You're listening to our podcast. And a great way to do just that is by adding or upgrading your propane-powered farm equipment. From irrigation engines to grain dryers or heating systems, propane will help you say goodbye to high fuel costs and hello to savings and convenience. Now, through the end of the year, farmers can save even more with the Propane Farm Incentive Program, sponsored by the Propane Education and Research Council. Receive up to $5,000 off the purchase of new propane equipment in exchange for real-world feedback. And remember, propane is not just an investment in your farm, and it's an investment in your bottom line. Join the growing community of smart farmers who've made the switch to propane. Apply today at propane.com forward slash farm incentive. Okay, we're on to the next one. I feel, like, I feel like we had to go all the way to the front of the train. And then off the train and back onto the train. And then, back on and the then train. we got him. Finally to get him. And this one's going to be a lot of fun because <laughs> this man is here for a very specific reason. And I think it's a reason that you and I are going to enjoy. Yes. One of our favorite pastimes. One of our favorite pastimes. Uh, it is our pleasure to have Brian here. And Brian, for awesome. our listeners, tell them a little bit about who you are, where they can find you, and why you're here today. Sure. So my name is Brian. I'm better known on Instagram as the Rum Champion. So at the Rum Champion. And rum is my full-time job. So I get to travel around, do cool things like this, where I get to just talk to people about rum. And it's, uh, it's a very niche career that I found myself in, but uh, I just love the category and I love uh, promoting it and uh, help people understand there's more to it than just certain spiced rum brands. So you just yeah. drink rum all day? You're a professional alcoholic? Is that how that works? <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you, when you guys come over, open invite coming over to L.A., it, most of the bottles I have 420 from 67 countries. Because, yes, there's the rums from that many places. Uh, there's all maybe like, I don't know, a quarter top strength. Because I just can't get through them all. Like, my wow. liver won't survive. So I invite people over. And, and, like, most of the time now, I will tell people, oh, you like this? Here, Here's the bottle. Get it out of my house. And my girlfriend's in the corner going, get it out of the house. Get it out of the house now. <laughs> just take this, please. Yeah, get Walk it out, out the door. Right and there. then, you know, the next day, it's shipping comes in and there's more. And I go, sorry. We didn't <laughs> set this up right. People don't just send us booze. No. Uh, certainly only a year into this, right? Just a little bit, yeah. yeah. 
So just, how did yeah. you get? Let's let's go back, wind it back. Sure. How did you get to the point where rum is your full time job? Yeah, so uh, it was really just a hobby. I threw a, a tiki party when you know on the back end of COVID. Uh, tiki party because I love going to tiki bars. I live in Southern California, so you know it's the the Hawaiian kind of theme and all that, and the, the tropical cocktails, etc. Uh, I can't remember specifically why I wanted to throw the party, but I did, and then I wanted to make sure the drinks were right because I like being the host and I like making all these delicious cocktails. And then you learn a lot of these tiki drinks, like the Mai Tai calls for two rums. The Zombie calls for three rums. There's something called Navy Grog that calls for no three idea. rums. I had no idea. So, yeah, there, there's something in the bartending world that I've recently learned called split bases. So I went from no rums to about 15 to throw this one rum party. Just to throw one party. Yeah. And, and you know, I curated a menu. I had all my simple syrups and everything like that. And the whole time I was, the great thing about rum is blah, 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 blah. Then I had a bunch of rum because not everybody, you know, sure. going through 15 bottles of rum for 20 people is pretty damn hard, right? So... And then I started throwing monthly rum parties to get rid of the booze. And then every time I threw a party, I would go and find more rum that I wanted to try from different countries <laughs> to really figure out what the difference between, like, a dark Jamaican rum and a Demerara rum. First of all, what the hell is Demerara, right? right? right. And where is it? It's in Guyana. Guyana is the only English-speaking country in South America. I don't need to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> but as I started to do this, I had people encouraging me, saying, why aren't you doing this on social media? And I'd always go, ah, one of those influencers. <laughs> I don't know if that's for me. And then my lovely girlfriend, after a couple months of people saying, you should do this, because I talk about all these rum facts like we did earlier today. Right. And it was just, hey, you should just do this and don't make it about you, make it about the rum. So I started the page, The Rum Champion, in September of last year. Uh, and things have kind of blown up further, much more than I ever thought were it was going to be possible. And now I'm sitting on a train here in uh, Central Florida, hanging out with some cool people. And, and, uh, and you got to give us rum. And I got to give you rum. I will tell you, we had a, a white rum and yep. a brown rum. Yep. Because that's my description of rum. <laughs> yeah. <right>? yeah. <laughs> and it was fascinating based upon the, the harshness. Is that the right word to say? Sure. Right. I mean, obviously, one was aged in a barrel. Uh-huh. And the other was not? Yep. Is that correct? Correct. So the clear was uh, a little bit burned me some more than yeah. the brown one did. Yeah, a little more rubbing alcohol. Than, but it, but in, the grand, in the grand scheme of things, for rum, just because it's clear doesn't mean it isn't smooth. Yeah, and just because it's clear doesn't mean that it's unaged as well. Because sometimes you'll do this charcoal filtering, uh, and then sometimes you'll do different kinds of filtering. And so, yeah, it's... It's way more complicated, but we're not going to get deep into the to the nerdiness <laughs> right. today. So, because of rum, yeah, is that what forced you to have to learn about sugarcane? Yeah, really. And so, because so is that you can't make rum without sugar? Exactly. So, one of the few parameters here in the U.S. because you know whiskey is so well defined, it has to be from this region, it has to be this, this, and this. Yep. New American oak, blah blah blah. With rum, the only things that that an association, the TTB, basically, it's it's who's regulating what it means to be a rum or whatever. So for rum, it has to be a byproduct of sugarcane, uh, and it has to be at least 80 proof. If it's under 80 proof, so like Captain Morgan spiced rum, it's not really a rum, it's a spiced rum. So outside of that, it's pretty much the Wild West when it comes to rums that are either distilled in the U.S. or imported. And so there's one that uh, I tried that's from Martinique, uh, Nason or Nissan, if you will. Uh, it was an unaged agricole, and you know the one that we smelled that was unaged smelled pretty grassy. Yeah, it's the first agricole I ever bought, and I bought it because it was recommended in this book. I cracked the top of it, and at that point, I'd only had like Captain Morgan white rum or like Bacardi sure. silver, so odorless and whatever. And I put some in a glass, stirred it around, and bit it. Took a big old inhale of, 
And I went, oh, what is that? And then it was <laughs> like, why does it smell yard. like, yeah, <laughs> just like, why does it smell like grass? And I had to look it up. And this was like two or three months into my, my rum journey. It's like, oh, sugarcane is part of the grass family. And then I took a second to pause from just tasting the different rums and saying, okay, you can do cane juice, you can do cane syrup, or you could do molasses. Right. Uh, and it's cane syrup also can be cane honey, but, and just really had to take a step back and learn how, how it's all done. And then you don't even get into things like sugarcane varietals. So in Hawaii, there's a few distillers where they have documented 35 different single cane varietals to where they're actually fermenting it and distilling each one of these so that you as a consumer can understand the difference between one that tastes really? super fruity, one tastes super grassy, one tastes like olive so brine. you can get the same notes out of this like you would a bourbon, uh, yeah. a whiskey. Just if you become a connoisseur... You can pick up the differences. For we were talking last night. He said, "Oh, you're a bourbon guy. I got the right oh, set yeah. of rums for entry level bourbon guys." Oh, yeah, you know? that's yep. right. Yeah, that's great. So, okay, so you know a lot about it before even showing up today, right? It, at least with the the rum distillation process, sugarcane was something that I just saw as well. Yeah, it's the byproduct of sugarcane plant. So, yep. yeah. you know, whatever that is. Yeah, and <laughs> it just all I knew was the grass. It was grass yeah. and it's tall, and don't touch the leaves because it'll cut the hell out of your hand. Yeah. Outside of that, I didn't really know. And you're reading about it in a book, right? You can say, okay, yeah, they, sure. cut the, they cut the cane, they burn, they burn it, they take the stalks, they press it, they refine it, they make molasses, and they get the molasses. Okay. But really, it's different once you see it. So coming here and just seeing, obviously, we saw the cane field, and that was just really cool to say, why? wait a minute. So they're burning it. How are the stalks not being set ablaze? And it's just really cool to see the science of, okay, we know it's going to burn that so we can get a higher yield of bringing the cane in. And just even then going into seeing Sugar Mountain, for example. Oh, yes. Which, again, kind of, it's like Space Jam. I where didn't it's expect to be able to put it in my mouth. No, yeah. exactly. And they're like, can we eat this? Because, I mean, there was that weird disclaimer at the beginning of, well, it's it's uh, it's raw sugar. We so legally can't we sell can't this. We legally can't sell it. And, you, and then all of us went, well, wait a minute. Is it, like, toxic? Like, <laughs> why does it have to go refinement process? But that was really cool to just actually see it. And then, of course, you have the tractors going over yeah. it and everything like that. But, you know, never really thought too much about sugar production. Until coming here today. I mean, I've been to distilleries, but the whole focus is, yeah, well, okay. The cane is really just seen as a means to an end rather than focusing on how you grow it, what right. the varietals, what the soil is, how you actually till the earth and everything like that, which I never really realized until today. It's cool. So that was not my thought process of whether it was hazardous to me. I just thought, oh, it's illegal. Now I want it more. <laughs> <laughs> they can't sell this. So, yeah. oh, Corey's can I, can pockets, I buy a bag of this? Corey's pockets are full of it. Like, yeah, literally, exactly. he's so walking around. Yeah, you, you can trace the trail. Hey, man, just you want some pure little, sugar? Yeah. You can't buy you want some anywhere. sugar? You, you get on the bus. You get on the bus and you know where Corey sits because there's a pile running out of his pocket. Yeah, soon there's going to be the men in black guys with the little flashy thing. that like, dude, you never were here. You had a good time. You didn't take any sugar. There's no such thing as raw sugar. It's commodity and you didn't have any. I should have I, say. I should hit save in case they do that to us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah do the flashy thing. Uh, yeah. I'm also <laughs> loving this train atmosphere because yeah. not only now is it sunset, we've got oh, weird shadows on our faces and yeah. the cameras and everything. The yeah. camera guys but the poor camera guys are <laughs> no, he's just drunk. He's up. just drunk. <laughs> I love it. This is this is going to be some of the I, best. I want to take the time to personally thank you for from coming from all the way across the country, and we, and we came a long ways too. But you're not an ag, no. And right, this is this is the ultimate advocacy or right. advocacy whatever you want to call it because yep. last night we had an awesome conversation several awesome conversations and he, he literally was asking me about you know you're from Iowa you know corporate farms and Monsanto and Mons- you know, yep. Monsanto and all that you know like 
all that kind of stuff, and and we just had a great conversation. He's like, oh, it's not like that. Like, yeah. you know, we were like, bu- we were bus seat buddies yeah. for most of the morning, and he the yeah. same thing. I appreciate the genuine question for sure of of allowing us to just educate. I mean, we're, we're by no means the expert farmers, but just to let you know that, yeah, this is a family business. This is a way of life. Yeah, yeah, and even just I mean, get and. and you guys are patiently answering even my silliest of questions of like, so it's basically you just take your fertilizer, you water, you put your seeds in, you water, and then the crops grow and you get it, right? Yeah. Like, it's that easy. Yeah. And then it's, it's like just nice. hearing your guys' process, it's just yeah. like, wow, there's a whole other side of this. Yeah. And the reason why I love rum so much is you see the, the passion meeting the science of, of the end product. And then for you guys to basically take, you know, the corn or the soybeans or whatever you're growing yeah. after generation after generation of understanding what works and seeing that passion combining it with science is just really cool because again it starts with you guys on everything not just rum but but feeding us and you know keeping keeping uh the country rolling yeah everybody we wouldn't have what we'd be naked and hungry yeah and for the for the record i did not say monsatan well yeah i said monsanto yeah well i said it which isn't a company anymore yeah we're we're fine saying that (laughs) okay see it's bayer wait like bayer the the aspirin yeah they own that no, no kidding. No. Well, here it all comes. The more you know. <laughs> all right. Oh, this yep. is this has been a pleasure. Again, this is cool. not enough time to dive in, but I'm glad that we have everybody's contact information because yeah. we can dive right back yeah. into it. But in the meantime, our listeners want to follow you, and sure. they want to maybe become rum connoisseurs. Again, plug your handle. How can they find you? Uh, so it's at the rum champion on social media. Uh, if you're in the Southern California area, I actually host Rum Curious Club events, in-person events at a few different bars in California. So hit me up, DM me, be like, what rum should I buy? And then two hours later, you'll leave going, I know. What is, okay, <laughs> What if you've never had rum besides the Bacardi or sure. the uh, Captain Sailor Jerry's, what is a great entry set of rum to get into? Yeah, so you probably want to lean on... And if, if it's Captain Morgan, Sailor Jerry, Kraken, you probably want to start with something a little bit sweeter, more palatable. So like a Diplomatico Reserva Exclusiva. These are rums that are distilled, and then after distillation, they add a little bit of sugar. So okay. it's not quite as bitey as, you know, the unaged one that we had. So a lot of people kind of start there. But then there's tequila people that kind of start with the white rum that we had okay. because there's yeah. some of that earthiness. And then there's bourbon drinkers that start with something like Privateer rum out of Boston because it's new American oak aged. Yeah, Privateer. So it depends. But, yeah, I'd say, like, Diplomatico, Reserva. Uh, if you want something not sweet and a little bit drier, like Florida Cana is great. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, those are good places. Great. And, yeah. I love it. What's, well, the, what's, what's your favorite rum? Oh, it's like picking a kid. I know. And a kid that, you know, you, there's an 80 of them, right? Or like hundreds and thousands of yeah. them. <sighs> I could give you maybe like top three distillers that I really like. Okay. So Privateer, uh, great American rum. If you've never looked, uh, heard of them, look them up. Uh, I really like Foursquare Rum out of Barbados. They're really good. And then um, uh, to say it in the French way, Naissant. It looks like Nissan uh, out of Martinique. They're doing right. some really, really cool cane juice things. Yeah. Wow. So after yeah. a couple more years of this, you said after you get some FU money, <laughs> you're going to take us and a bunch of probably all the influencers here, and we're going to sail around the world yeah. and try rum from that, different places. Exactly. Cool. So, yeah, we'll, we'll get a, you know, something that can have you know, 150, 200 people, and you just start in the Caribbean, right? And you do all the Caribbean islands. And it's not like the cruise where you get there and you have six hours. It's like, what am I going to do in six hours in yeah. Martinique or Barbados or wherever? But this would be a hop on. You're there for like a month or two. 
or less or more. Like, yeah, and then you right. just jump back on when the when we have a quorum and everybody votes <laughs> and says, "Yep, cool." Yeah. And then you kind of either go th- down South Amer- America, do cachaça in Brazil. That's cane juice okay. rum uh, in Brazil, and then you can go over to Asia, like Southeast Asia, like the Pacific, like Fiji, wow. Vanuatu, Philippines, Indonesia, Taiwan. Um, it's endless. And then we could go through Madagascar, Seychelles, Réunion, South Africa, and then kind of come back and then hit some of the distilleries. Uh, in the island of Madeira, outside of Portugal, there's a rum distillery. There's a rum distillery in the Netherlands. So, yeah, worldwide rum tour. Wow. What are we going to say, 2025, 2026? Yeah, there you go. Well, I mean, if you know your projections better than we do for <laughs> FU money to island. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, what we do is we could approach brands, any brands listening to this that wants to, to sponsor. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it'd just be like Anthony Bourdain, but with rum, you yeah. know? Yeah. This is That'd perfect. Cool. I love it. I'm excited. For that. Well, good. We, got, we still got another guest to get to. Cool. We appreciate your Thanks time. Thanks for having me. Sunset is beautiful. Riding on the train. Riding on the train. Cool. Thank you, the next Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate you. you. Cool. All right, we're wrapping up sunshine, sunset, right over the Sugar Headquarters is what yep. we just got told. Got a, a beautiful facility, large buildings full of sugar. Sugar Mountain. Sugar Mountain. And uh, we have one last guest that we wanted to make sure we got squeezed into on this train ride. Why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners, how they can find you, and uh, kind of what got you here. Hi, I'm Audra Mulkern. I, um, I'm from Seattle, Washington. And I am with the Female Farmer Project. That is a documentary project where I document the rise of women in agriculture. I am currently working on a documentary film about the history of women in agriculture. And so I uh, got to ask, do you have a tie to agriculture or did this just, you just want to talk about women in agriculture? How'd that happen? Well, I um, have no tie to agriculture. You know, I had, you know, grew up with my mother growing, you know, vegetables in the backyard. That's the extent of my experience with the growing of food. But um, one day I was at the farmer's market and I just happened to kind of take a step back out of sort of that busy corridor and I was just watching the women behind all of the, you know, the tables. I was yep. just kind of watching everybody move around and, you know, talk to each other. And that's when I realized that they were all women. And it made me stop and think about why I was paying attention to that. Mm-hmm. Why did it all of a sudden become visible to me? Yep. And uh, so I spent, you know, a few months just really researching it, trying to figure out and unpack that, you know, what have... I just sort of bought into that, you know, and these are women that I knew, you know, they were my neighbors. I, you know, had potlucks with them on a regular basis, but yet there was that moment where I realized that something was happening. Now this is about 10 or 11 years ago. And, uh, I spent a lot of time just kind of figuring out what was going on. And then I decided that, you know, somebody should really do something about the fact that women were missing from the narrative. So how long have you been doing the documentary and when does it come out? It's coming out this spring. Okay. Exciting. Uh, U.S. Sugar is one of our presenting sponsors. Awesome. We're very grateful to them. And uh, we're hoping for a national PBS broadcast. Oh, that'll be exciting. Cross fingers. Very yeah. good. Yeah. We've talked to a lot of women in agriculture. You yep. know, we, we've got yeah. 300 and some episodes out there, and I bet you 25 to 40% of them have been with females. Yep. And it's amazing to hear the perspective and the sharing, and, and then yet they do exactly the same job a man does. Yeah. Yeah, and then for some reason, you know, we all think that, you know, farming equals men. 
that you know men are farmers and farmers are men right. and it was just you know one of those moments for me as your customer to think oh my gosh there is a different narrative out there that i don't know yeah. and i want to figure this out and explore it and and celebrate it because really the women in agriculture are worth celebrating so that's kind of neat that u.s sugar is uh supporting you yep. and supporting yes. this narrative as well what did you know about sugar before they got involved with your project well i have done some um investigative reporting around sugar you know with uh i i suppose it, you know, I have a, a unique perspective in agriculture at being someone who, you know, really just celebrates women in agriculture. Um, and I think that's why they invited me just to kind of, you know, uh, celebrate the women that work here at U.S. Sugar. There's yeah. quite a few of them and they're incredible and they're multi-generational here at U.S. Sugar. Is there anything you uh, learned on this uh, train ride that you didn't know yesterday? Well, one of the really interesting things for me, because I am former Microsoft, so I um, love any ag tech and mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And the most interesting fact for me was that they use an algorithm to determine the peak glucose yes. on their, their cane before yep. they harvest. You know, at this scale, you really couldn't you know, go around and test every single field. One of the farm managers was telling me that they even put a specific amount of water in that field to make the glucose higher before they harvest because if it's a, a drier stock, of course, uh, there's there's corn in there, or not corn in there, but uh, sugar in there, and it's taking the energy from the sugar to grow more or grow less, so they have a peak time that they put the water in there, so they'll yeah. flood irrigate and that then way. It, you know, it, I didn't realize it was a perennial crop, that they can harvest three crops off of it before they tear it out and plant back again. Yeah. But on that termination yeah. harvest, that they will actually, I call it desiccate. It's not the right word, but they will kill it, chemically kill it, which also forces the sugar content to rise up. They stress the plant, mm -hmm. which caused it to produce more. So. Yeah, it's interesting. There's a few crops, I think, out there like that. Yeah. Sugar being one of them, tea being another really interesting one. The more you stress it, the better the tea is and more caffeine it yep. is. So that's kind of... Well, Corey always talks about his soybeans, being yep. mean to his soybeans. He does. He takes yeah. a roller right over the top of them, and <laughs> he beats them up, and then they, they yield better. Yeah. So, yep. Well, that's a lot of fun. We don't get a lot of time with you. We appreciate the little bit that we did, but I know our listeners are going to be interested in your project. So if they want to follow along with the process and, and keep up with what you're doing, how do they stay connected with you? Well, we can be found at um, most social media platforms at the Female Farmer Project. Um, on Twitter, it's uh, Female Farmers and uh, Women's Work Doc, D-O-C, um, and the, all of the websites are the same as well. So if you do any searches on Female Farmers and Women's Work, you'll find our work. That's great. So I'm sure it's positive towards uh, female, of course, and, and what they do. Is there uh, uh, any male farmers in the Female Farmer Project that work alongside the women? Like, example, oh, sure. my wife's the cattle behind our hat but I work alongside her with our cattle. So I'm kind of curious if it's, if it's, is it just celebrating women or women that are leaders in the industry? Both. Okay. Yeah. And we're expanding to, um, on our, our own podcast, we're expanding to include uh, women in ag tech, women who are, you know, doing some advocating work, but aren't in ag. You know, we're trying to, you know, be very inclusive in awesome. our storytelling. You know, Tanner, awesome. I think it might not just be a farmer thing. So I'm in the auction industry and the largest growing, have you ever heard of a female auctioneer? Not a lot of people have. But the largest growing demographic in auctioneering is female. The largest growing demographic in agriculture is women. There you go. That's cool. There you have it. Hey, what New a great, story. What a great way to wrap this up. 
Yep. We're pulling into the station. Literally pulling into the station. Pulling into the station now. Slowing down. So thank you what again for hanging out. Yeah. And thank I you can't for wait to put me. the whole episode together. <laughs> Should be a great one. Thanks, guys. You bet. Thank you. Thank you.